0: Hello and welcome to The Beginner's Handbook. I'm Jordan. I'm Jimmy. And in this episode we are going to be talking about spooky Halloween themed stuff because it's Halloween. So today it's really similar to one of the episodes we're have done, we doing recently. I don't know if you've seen it yet or not. Um, We're going to talk about some of our experiences with Mm -hmm. horror themed games. So maybe not something that made us shake in our boots or anything like that. But certainly we want to talk about some of our favourite moments that we've had maybe this year, or even just going back and casting the stones a bit further to see what kind of scary things that maybe we enjoyed in the games that we've played or ran. Yeah, and as well, if if we, can, well, if we can dissect it down a
1: little further without kind of running on too much time-wise and things, then we'll maybe kind of pull out some of the elements that gave it that little bit of kind of mm-hmm. drama and it kind of up the level of fear, but we Don't want to go into that too much. This is more just kind of story time with Jimmy and Jordan.
0: Yeah, a special bonus episode, if you want to call it that. Um, So basically, I think then we'll start off with the question we always ask is a question, and that is what as a player or the or a GM has it been? What's your favourite time? Sorry. Uh, or what's your favourite experience you've had in a game whether it be a a scary sequence or a sequence in a horror themed game Mm -hmm. or even a scary sequence in a non-horror themed game because you can have horror elements in games without them needing to be hardcore horror games Um, so as a player what's your favourite one of them? As a GM maybe what have you done to actually try and encourage or set up that atmosphere for your players? We would like to know a bit more about it
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the thing and it's always Always great hearing from other people and, and what their ideas are, and it, when it comes to horror or fear or, or, or anything like that, it's it's always it's it's always going to be interesting hearing what people find scary, what people find that gets that that level of fear, that kind of their heart going. And, um, you know, how it can range with people from something incredibly, incredibly small to something, like, really, really big that has to
0: happen to get that. Yeah, I mean, definitely. We've had um, games where, (laughs) we might come into some of them later, but we've had games where we've been like, okay, we've been told it'll be super scary and super horrible and all that stuff, I mean, I'm out of probably our group. I'm probably the guy that knows the most horror stuff because that's just always been my thing. Like, mm-hmm. I started off, even through playing games, it was S.O. Yeah. Terrorists and Call of Cthulhu. Um, I've mean, never played Delta Green, but that's one that's on the list. But anyway, most of the horror mm-hmm. games, and I eventually moved into D&D uh, with yourself, Jamie, and, yeah. and like, some of the guys we normally play with. So, but it's funny because some of these games that we almost get the warnings about before yeah. we play, we're kind of like, was that all? Was that all? Whereas other players at the same game were just like, that was so intense, you know. Um, it's funny just to see what makes people tick and yeah, aye, to yeah. see how it affects people. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. And again, a
1: couple of the examples that are coming up, then again, that's gonna that's gonna appear. Um, but I think what we'll do is we'll get. Get talking and start on okay. on some of the the games and things that we've we've been and that we've seen. So the first one I think we'll talk about is one that both myself and Jordan were part of, which was based on real events. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So it was based on real events, and that was based on the Franklin expedition. So if anybody knows about that, then. You know, you already know it's quite a grim, <laughs> grim setting to start off with. And for anybody that doesn't, basically, there was an Arctic expedition that went out and then basically everybody disappeared from it. And then I, I can't remember the exact sort of time scale and things of when it was refound and rediscovered, but when the people were found, there was like different people that were disfigured, there was people buried in makeshift graves and mm-hmm. you know, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of pretty grim and horrific stuff. So when the game started, unbeknownst to the the DM at the time, who was the author, for anybody who's seen previous episodes, we all got kind of trigger warnings before it happened. But unbeknownst to him <laughs> so, the timing in this, and I can't remember if I said this to you or not, the timing in this was a bit suspicious because there was a documentary on TV over here, and then maybe about four weeks later, we played this game. I didn't know that, no. Yeah, Aye. so I'd also see. seen that. <laughs> well, I never asked, but I'm suspecting that he'd watched this documentary that I'd also watched, and then he'd taken that and ran the game with it. So, as we're going along, You know, kind of a lot of the the spoilers were kind of already out there for me. I knew what was happening. I knew what was coming up. And uh, one of the things that the DM done, because, you know, the the bits of it were grim, like it had essentially pictures from the expedition that was used to kind of help set the scene and things. So the ones that were a bit more grim, everybody got a kind of, you don't need to look if you don't want. And it was kind of past so that nobody could see it around the table and then you either looked at it if you wanted to or not, which is good for, you know, everybody's kind of sensitivity and things, you know, and not Mm -hmm. freaking anybody out. But at the same point, it kind of... It sort of slowed the pace of the game now. So at that point, rather than keeping the fear going of there's somebody else, there's somebody else, here's something horrific that's happened to them and you're building and layering upon it to, obviously, um, with the Franklin Expedition, there wasn't, you know, monsters or anything kicking about that happened, it was a a series of unfortunate events, but, so, so rather than the pace going and building, layering and building and layering, because these kind of graphic elements, not graphic as in, horrific content but like pictures and Mm -hmm. things yeah. because they appeared every so often it just it stopped the flow so rather than getting that kind of level of tension it was building and then it's falling back and it was building and it was falling back and it was building and it was falling back so for me personally with that although it was it was in that horror theme it kind of it lost a lot of the edge from it because I was already aware of the events I'd already again, already had a good background information mm-hmm. on it so I knew where things were going to go and then I went well because you know, like this person was found here then what you could do is you could potentially link that to this, this, this or this and so I was kind of puzzling things out as it was going on so I was a kind of a couple of steps ahead of the other players that were there. Um, and again, the passing, the, the images around and things, it just, it killed a lot of the, the tension for me. But how did, how did you find the, the I, I
0: actually, I was a wee bit the other way. I actually enjoyed all the, that stuff because I didn't, weirdly, because I'm into all that, mm-hmm. like there's a the Diatlov Pass incident which was like, so many conspiracy theories about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the only one I knew of of that sort of nature because of like the film mm-hmm. that they done. And things I think there's monsters in the film, I never seen it, but um so I didn't know anything about the Franklin expedition and I'm going eh, oh yeah, I think I can't remember if you said. We used Call of Cthulhu for this as well, so it had all the sanity stuff brought into it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so so I quite l- liked the lore aspect almost of it all. Mm-hmm. the Stuff like the pictures, like it was going round the table, I'm like, God let's like, see it, you know. That pretty crazy stuff, but I'm also like cool, like <laughs> super scary. Um, but I like for me it, did, it fed into the theme of unpleasantness a bit more. But I also don't didn't know anything about it until that mm-hmm. night. Um, I think it, if I remember it, right, it took some supernatural approach. And I don't know yeah, if I ever yeah. finished that game though. I think we spoke about this before, but I don't think we, we did finish it because it oh, was did, I
1: just as a sort of one shot. Um, oh, so right, it was kind okay. of go find out what happened that's the briefs, you go and you start investigating and try to figure out what's going on and then you kind of get led into where the kind of main supernatural things happen I think it ended up in some form of fight and then it was you know that's it, well done, you survived and you know, you
0: all go home a little bit more damaged than Uh when you appeared Mm. I I don't even remember all that but it was definitely a game I liked. I, I'm a sucker for anything Arctic, though. Like mm-hmm. even like the movie, I love the thing. For example, and what movies like that they isolate you from people and things, and mm-hmm. they give you that sense. I felt like that was somewhat portrayed quite well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's hard to remember though. We're speaking about years and years ago, but right. um, I, I did quite enjoy the game overall. But I it's interesting because it was probably well. There was the documentary not long before it because I'm surprised because that would have been something I would have watched, you know. That was back when I watched TV mm-hmm. and things which I don't do anymore, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I, again, it was in one of these
1: channels that kind of normally put stuff on and it's either hit or miss whether the yeah. documentaries actually got a decent bit of information in it or whether it's, like, just <laughs> made up nonsense. And, yeah. like, they repeat the same four or five sentences and then go to an ad break and then the recap in the four or five sentences and ah, yeah. then add an extra one it's in most haunted and go to yeah. <laughs> yeah basically that kind of thing and you're like wait a minute there's only like eight minutes worth of, <laughs> of a documentary here so um, it's one of those kind of things but actually it was it was half decent um, but like with pace and things and that and like with images going about how did you find that?
0: Did you find that that kind of I can't killed it a little bit for you. I, I can't I can't really remember. I don't remember feeling like it's slowing down, but then for mm. me I suppose the difference is like this was all new to me all this stuff. Yeah. So I was kinda learning a bit about it and I was seeing like the state of some of these could um what would the actual respectful word be? The remains that were left. Mm. Um but you've also got the stuff around like there was like what was it? it was like Bible scriptures and stuff written, like really weird almost. Yeah. I mean, you've seen the tropes in horror films for years and years now, but mm-hmm. it was stuff that actually happened in the 1800s yeah, yeah. whenever it was. So I found all that super interesting So I was kind of seeing these mm-hmm. clips and stuff, whereas you were familiar with it though. Yeah, um, But I, I don't remember either. I just remember going, oh, cool, handouts. <laughs> yeah, know? well, the, the thing with like, the, the, like, the bits from the Bible,
1: and again, the kind of background for that was that like, as the people were dying here and there, then whoever was left was inscribing passages from the Bible as they That's were right. burying them and things. Mm. But it was kind of strange bits of the Bible to pick. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't remember any of the quotes off the top of my head, but it was kind of the sort of stranger elements of it rather mm-hmm. than, like, your, you know, you're kind of standard ones that you would hear if you were at a funeral or whatever um, which then added to the mystery and added to the kind of horror nature of it because it was kind of not completely disconnected but the the kind of further in the events were kind of mm-hmm. unfolding and the, the, the more bizarre the quotes were coming from as everybody's starting to kind of lose grip and lose control of the situation um so the likes of that because like the quote's getting read out you know so somebody finds one of the graves and it's oh you see that it's got written on it blah 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 you know that's the way that it's read it eh, not read out, sorry that's the way it's it was put forward in the game so there was never never a break in rhythm Whereas with pictures, because it was here's what it looks like, right? Okay, first person has to look and make sure nobody else sees it to pass it to the next person just in case, and round and round the table it went. Because we're all looking at the, the picture and passing it around and whatever else, and you're going, Do you want to say no, you don't, but oh, all right, but you do, right? Okay, and you're kind of having to do all that sort of a stuff as it's going around, then the DM at that point is waiting for everybody to look at it so that then he's not starting to talk while somebody goes, oh, right, okay, you were, and then it's cutting across the conversation and what's happening so that nobody misses anything from the story. So that kind of side of things is what I'm meaning about it, kind of breaking the rhythm, whereas when he's reading out the quotes, then he can read out the quotes Mm because it's, just the quote and it's what's written there and so on and so on
0: what would you have done to stop or reduce the, the, the kind of breaking narrative or the breaking pace mm-hmm. I don't really remember it that much so I can't really say but I'm interested to hear then what you would have done differently like remove the pictures would you have just said these want to see it yes or no as a group yes show it no don't show it like what would you what would have maybe been a solution that if it was to go back to that time and implant and a wee thought for how to do it maybe a bit better I would I would
1: either have removed it mm-hmm. um, just because ultimately what did it add I suppose it was maybe short value or something yeah but, in, but the thing with it is you go right well if you're worried about people being creeped out with it or getting upset or whatever then why take that Can level of in, risk? Yeah. Aye. Whereas if you got a picture of the ship stuck in the ice, that's not gonna freak anybody out. Help set the scene. Uh uh-huh. Something okay. else, someone else, something else, help set the scene. This is a picture of one of the tins of rations that they would have had on the expedition, you know, that all helps set the scene. But it doesn't detract away from anything, you know, and you're not then worried about People going, ah, it will be fine. And looking at it, and then again getting upset, freaking out with it. So I would they either remove that, um, or during, or sorry, before the game had started. When this is, you know, what one element of what I'm doing. If you are gonna get, you know, if you're sensitive about it, just when it comes round to you, just pass it on to the next person. I'll pass it around clockwise, it'll get it back to me and then I'll get it out of the road, keep it face down, look at it, and then when you're done, next okay. person. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to keep the story going so that, you know, for anybody who doesn't want to see it, they've got something to focus on and I'm not going to get distracted with that and maybe accidentally glimpse something or whatever. Um, that would probably be the two ways that I would do it, with the simplest Way being just to remove
0: it. Yeah, do you know that's something, maybe that's something to think about when we're talking about the next bits. Because that, that's, I, I, I remember liking that aspect of it. Because I mean, I like it, it's, it's macabre and all that, it's kind of grim that's how I like all that stuff. So I was kind of like, that's pretty cool. But I suppose the thing is then, well, why is it going in there in the first place? Like, if it's just purely for shock, like, there's the stuff about the whole you can get the X card and stuff for your games. And I'm not really that big a fan of it, and the reason for it isn't because I think you should like you shouldn't be offended at games. It's not to do with that. It's more to do with well, if I need to use the X card, or if someone feels the need to use an X card, one. I'm not sure how I didn't figure that one out before putting that theme in there, but because I would probably sound check or, yeah. or um, kind of safety check everyone before a game. Yeah. But two, if something's going to be that intense are you not just better putting on, like, the, the the curtains over it, you know, putting the curtain call and mm-hmm. kind of fading through it or speeding past it instead of repeating the grisly detail? You because know, there's loads of games I do that have a lot of violence and, like, a lot of violence in it, but there's definitely never horrible sexual content or anything. And any games, like, not games that I've made, but especially ones that I've done that are published, they might have that as a theme. If it's called Divinity Lost, you're playing there's very likely like there's a whole part or kind of dimension type thing that's all about sex that's the whole thing you know so a lot of stories in that or especially some of the bigger and better stories they usually still have lots of these themes of abuse and they, they kind of encourage kind of going into all that But for somebody like myself, I'm kind of like, but it's not hidden anything. And we don't need, it doesn't Mm -hmm. need to be there for shock value. Because people are adult enough to understand what's going on without Mm -hmm. needing all the grisly details. Now, if you're playing Alien, you want a bit of violence in there. But you don't need to, I have a lot of things like somebody's head get pulled apart in a game I done recently. Um, But I just need to say what I've said there. I don't need to explain how the skull splits and the tissues rip and then the, the aortic blood spray fires. I, I don't need that detail. Mm-hmm. So that's where, like, things like the X card and that, like, I just, I don't particularly... F- I'm not a fan of it because if I feel the need to use it, I'm probably putting something in there maybe shouldn't. So when, when it comes to this, the whole picture things I, I quite, I liked it in terms of mm-hmm. the idea. I don't remember the pace and stuff because it was so long ago. But um, but actually, it's a good point. If there, if there was that much of a concern, because I do remember the whole... Uh, only look if do you? I think it was do you want to see it? Because I don't yeah. think it was something that was maybe like I'm going to give you this now. I think it was more. Do, would you like to see it? And it was like ah. And then people were like humming and hawing a bit whether they wanted it. I don't remember it <laughs> taking that long, but I mean, no, it, it didn't. It's, it didn't take hugely long. It was just the the break <laughs> in the rhythm. Can I pause it up? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, I would I would say generally I don't mind breaking things up. Like, if you're doing handouts and stuff, it's going to make a break full stop. But mm-hmm. I think the difference, probably, from what you're talking about here versus showing the tin of beans, mm-hmm. I mean, you could pause the narrative. It's not a, a criticism. If you, if you, listening, have got your own games and you do handouts quite a lot, that's mm-hmm. okay. It doesn't screw your game over. But the difference with this, mm-hmm. at least from my memory... And from what you've said because some of it's kind of coming back now that you're talking about it is there was the whole thing like oh you sure I'm not sure if I should show you this is kind of this is all summarised but it was kind of I don't know if I should yeah. should, we, should we know here yeah, I'll pass it around it's all kind of like everyone's like sure they had a look and stuff at this picture of some dead guy um, but it was there was a lot of that kind of I guess maybe the issue was rather than it just being a thing where we're happy to pause and look at the handouts it was a case where we're taken completely out the game because there was this other concern about the content and then if that's going to be the thing why is it in the game in the first place you know Um, now I like really scary nasty content in games I'm Mm -hmm. a big fan of it Um, Delta Green's a game that's got awesome scenarios but they're very um, suggestive in terms of the creature designs and stuff like that for some of them um, but it's a total blast I love all that stuff it's great it's spooky it's horrible it's nasty you want to run away um but I never feel like it goes that extra too far where potentially we're getting yeah. I mean the, the extreme of what Jamie's talking about mm-hmm. would be like gore pictures of like real gore getting shown mm-hmm. and stuff would be the, kinda, even further than what we've seen um and at that point I suppose what's the point if you're worried about it Why you doing it, it and certainly for the games that I'll be running for you guys, very shortly there will be plenty of violence in it and I ain't doing no X card, but then we know each other, and I know and I also know I'm not going to go too far with folk I know Mm -hmm. what the the guys' baselines would be especially with some of the more controversial stuff that they might have run like the sex bot It wasn't, it It wasn't uh, we were told in no uncertain terms it wasn't Do you know what's funny though? I was looking at uh, Mothership and I think there's a sex bot class or something um, because I've been looking at Mothership recently. It might be an NPC you can get, but anyway, it's funny because it made me think of that game. Who was
1: it that shared that PDF with us again? (laughs) Yeah, that was the main man. Um, Although it
0: turns out Mothership rules, if you want a good scary game, Mothership is awesome from the rules I've seen. It does a lot of things that Alien does or vice versa. But I think it's completely free to get the the player survival guide and it's mm-hmm. completely free. You can get it and drive through RPG. Yep. Um, turns out our, our guy had it, so i have read a lot of that book. I mean it's not that big, mm-hmm. um but I had a blast and it's definitely a fun one to play. It's dead hardcore though. So if you mm-hmm. don't like hardcore, it's not your game. Yeah. But I yep. so Okay, yeah, I think then that is something because I, I do vaguely remember the whole stuff with the pictures. That's the only thing, I think, other than that, there might have been the Bible quotes, I either read out or it was the tins of food. I can't, there might have been other pictures showing, but mm. that was probably the most extreme part of the game, yeah. kind of, the, the, the human remains. Yeah. Um, and then I think it ended up, like you said, there was some boss fight or some supernatural element in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was one thing that was interesting that I spoke to my colleague on a un- completely separate note because he was talking about some of this and he mentioned the Franklin Expedition mm-hmm. um, and he talked about how I think it was found a good... a, a massive distance... The ship mm-hmm. was found a huge distance away completely submerged in the ice that made it even weirder, you know? Yeah. So it was pretty cool. But I was sitting going... I know someone that ran a game. And he's like, what do you mean, run a game? I mean, the guy's, like, double my age or something. So, I, nah, he's maybe not. He's not that old, actually. But um, he's not far off, but give it, give or take five to eight years or something. Um, but I's he's like, what do you mean, a game? And I'm going, doesn't matter. You won't understand. <laughs> he's like, you're not too old for games. So I'm like, you're crossing the line, man. Just wrap it. Um, I'm not going to help you out with your PowerPoint if you keep this up. But um, anyway, so... I don't. Know, is there anything else for that one? If not, I can jump onto it. I think
1: there. that was that was the kind of the key element of it. Um, it, and and again a kind of sub component of mm-hmm. that is that when the DM is going, oh, you don't need to look, you know, if you don't oh. want to, and y- you could see that he was a bit upset and disturbed by by what he'd seen in the documentary. <laughs> um, so when you've got the person that's supposed to be crafting the scary situation from you, who themselves are a bit fearful of it or upset yeah. by it, then it kind of kills a bit of the mood, I think. So, um top tip for anybody who's out there, if you are terrified of the storyline that you're going through with your players, have a good poker face.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I mean, I do enjoy cringe. So... If somebody, even if it's not like, that's cringy, quote unquote, but rather like someone cringes because there's something that they're uncomfortable with, oh, I do enjoy that. I do enjoy it when someone like rolls a one and they go, oh, and you see them seize up and they're like, they rolled a one, that's good. Um Alright then, I think what I'll maybe do, I'm going to go back, I'm going to turn the time machine on and go back to one of the first, it might have been the first game I ever played, like role playing game, mm-hmm. um, it was my dad who got us in, it was ourselves basically it was me, my brother, sister, my dad, and there was a couple of kind of friends of the family that were there. Was there more of us though? I think that was it for this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were doing a game called Esso Terrorists. I've not really played a lot of it other than some of the games with the family because it's like point by spend systems like point buys, you know, I'm not that into them, I prefer the skill based stuff and like things like D D. Um, but, it basically, it was the first ever kind of scary game we'd done. It wasn't particularly scary, but it was fun. You know, it was good. It was my first experience with d d But there was one bit in it where we were, I think we were, we were approaching the boss or something. something to do with some big baddie. And I think, I'm sure, it was some vampire-type monster or something. Like, it could fly and things. And we were all trying to... I think we running away from him at one point because they were totally mashing us up. And... Uh, Basically basically we we almost died I'm sure and as we were running away it was like we heard something on the car flapping its wings and one of the other players like one of the other players just made us all go nuts because we were already in this state of like oh crap we need to get out of here and then like one of the other players was like oh my god it's on the car and then all of us went nuts for like what we're gonna do, I had no bullets, I'm trying to reload and all that, like and everyone else is panicking. It was total it was a lot of fun. So I mean it wasn't like we're shaking oh we're so scared. Mm. But we were actually just such a high tense moment and mm-hmm. I, my, I did a great job of just building all that up. Um <laughs> I and I think I'm sure unless I, I've added this as like a false memory, I'm sure someone turned around and just like blasted at the back of the car to shoot out the windshield or something, to kill this flying enemy that was on Um, on our tails and it turned out what it was it was somebody's jacket got stuck in the car door and was flapping against the car and all that and that was all it was just a wee false um a false positive whatever red herring. yeah red herring. and uh it was just it was dead fun like it's definitely a horror themed game but it was a moment actually probably more so than Mm. the rest of the game we were just at such a heightened sense of kind of mm-hmm. stress because we were all getting battered and we knew that we were going to go down in a hit or two if we were hit. Um, and in the chase sequence, we barely got away, if I remember right, and then that hit is after it. Um, it was just, there was a good level of crafting going on. And sure, I, th- I think part of that as well, is something like that wouldn't have been planned. You know, knowing mm-hmm. that way, it would it wasn't planned. <clears throat> um, but it's something where improvisation as a GM is actually super yeah. important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, like that as
1: an element, it then means that because the tension is getting built,
0: mm-hmm.
1: then when you get to that moment and you get the kind of false encounter, mm-hmm. everybody is reacting to it as if it's real. To then discover afterwards that it wasn't, but that's because everybody's bought into what's going on because all he's talked about is a flap in a window and everybody's went, flying enemy, right, close it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Oh no, it's just because your jacket gets stuck in the door. Yeah. Mysterious. I, I
0: do remember that game going, <laughs> someone get it, I'm reloading, someone get it. And I'm like, I think I fumbled with something, I couldn't reload it in time and stuff. Because um, there's times even in our normal D&D yeah. games Well, they are not really horror and, um, you know, we might, one of us might say something and then it's like we just spiral yeah. into this this whole conspiracy <laughs> yeah. theory. Now, sure, it's very different in this high-pressure stress moment, yeah. but it's the same sort of thing that happens where it's mm-hmm. like you, you take one little kind of bit of the bait and you make up your own story. Mm-hmm. And I think actually, especially in horror games, it's good to kind of allow your players to give them time during scares or mm-hmm. build up to actually let them start making up their own things in their head. All he said was there was a flapping, I'm sure. Oh, my dad said mm. was it was like a flapping noise or something. Yeah. It, there was nothing to indicate it was a monster coming mm. because I think everything preceding that, a um, preceding even, was gave the idea that we got away, you know, and mm. so we had that rest um, and then we decided to just make it go. I remember dad laughing his head off because he's just like, these guys don't have a clue are <laughs> Because, I mean, half the time we're saying, oh, we know he's up to something because he's smiling, you know. Mm. Um, but that's one of the things. Like, give, give your players time to think of that stuff. A big reason why that worked in the way I see it is it's the same horror films that overuse jump scares or overuse the fake jump scare where you turn, oh, there's nothing there, but they turn back and then the ghost uh-huh, is there, yeah. even though there was nothing behind them in the first place. And it's done. But um, one thing that my dad had done during that was he did not have... Any, There wasn't any kind of scenario like that before that point. So it meant that we were completely suckered by it when it actually happened um as well because you can overuse your jump scares. You can overuse... Yep. And if you want something to be scary, like a monster's reveal, you don't reveal the monster seven times, you know, because by the seventh time, it's no scary anymore. But if you do it the first time, then cool. You know, it's good. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's not the best... Kind of thing to compare it against because you should probably be describing your monsters. Mm. But when it comes to plot twists, for example, if everything's a red herring, mm. you know, and then you're always bait and switch them at the the players at the end, then it means you're never gonna get the same impact. Mm. And that's something for that game that worked really well. At least from what I remember, but we're speaking like six, seven years ago or something now. Mm-hmm. But it still sticks with me. That's how good it was.
1: Yeah, yeah, but again, like you're talking about the kind of. If you, if you overdo a jump scare, if you this, that, whatever. If you overdo anything, then you're going to desensitise the yeah. players to it. Um, and, again, pick any technique you want for driving a story or pick any technique you want for creating horror or surprise or suspense or whatever. If you, if you do it all the time, then the players get better at spotting that element
0: quicker. Like the, like the patterns, I, can, I see what yeah. you're saying. Yeah,
1: so like with a jump scare, like if you've never never seen one before, you'll get caught out when it happens. But the more and more and more you get it, then you start to pick up in the subtle things like, oh, the camera's slowing down when it's moving through the scene. Yeah, and oh, the music has changed. Yeah, why oh, is the framing yeah.
0: set so someone could stand behind that person? Huh. Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. So you start to spot the little bits and pieces, but then it takes away the impact. Now, whether it's because you're consciously sitting picking up on it or subconsciously you pick up on it, then the same is is happening when you're going through and you're you're working through your story. So when you're setting up. jump scare or the false reveal or whatever it so happens to be, the players are going to pick up on it quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker, which basically means they're sitting there going, oh, didn't see that coming. Nudge, nudge, wink. They know they're they're there already. So if you've got a kind of a variety of different tools, different techniques to pick from, then you're keeping them on their toes because you're not giving them the chance to to get used to something so that they start to spot the patterns quicker. And as well as that, even if they do know the patterns and can spot it, they're still going to have a point where they go, okay, well, if this, this and this happens, there's an outcome. If this, this and this happens, there's another outcome. So you're still keeping them on their toes because they're, sense in different ways that could get yeah. pulled or pushed
0: yeah i think there's something as well like as a gm you'll probably have your way of doing things and if you do catch people because they'll probably say it like they'll go oh, i seen that coming you know or they'll go oh like there was a game and nah, now we're, we're going to come on to that in a second so i won't say it now <laughs> but um they're, they're basically like it's going to happen sometimes where people suss out what you're doing and that might not be because you're doing it wrong. It's it's not always your fault. I mean, sometimes you just are into a pattern of it. Some players are super perceptive. Some players have played a lot of games. Some have run a lot of games. I tend to find a lot of these patterns in people quite quick when I, I hear their games. But if you do find that's happening a lot with your players, that's when to spice it up. Mm. That's when to change that... Um, uh, just change the pattern a bit, just flip and switch it on them, and then it'll put them back on the back foot again. Um, and that's it. I mean, it's, it's fun, but most importantly, have I mean, fun. See if you get into the horror stuff and you, you kind of try and give that to your players, whether it's the way you tell it or you physical with your hands and stuff. It's going to try and immerse people a bit more because storytelling. Less so, I'd say, than any other type of game that I've run. Horror games I personally find really, really hard to run mm-hmm. because, one, I don't really get scared myself. So I, I don't. it's hard for me to know, okay, what would scare you, you know? But um, it also relies the most on things like actually setting to set the scene. You need to do the build-up, you need to do reveals, you need to be able to do the twists and the shock values and all that stuff. And it takes a lot more work than practically any D&D game that I've done that wasn't horror themed I have mm-hmm. ran the campaign for a year and most I think probably the latter half of them or the latter quarter um, were prepared in like 20-30 minutes a, a night and that was mm-hmm. four five six hours of games in 30 minutes because I was so used to it whereas mm-hmm. horror I can't really do that with mm-hmm. so much because it's, it's harder to do but yeah and
1: just kind of talking and focusing on that like for me personally as well like i think mm-hmm. horror is the hardest thing to do mm-hmm. because like what scares you isn't going to be what scares me isn't going to be what scares somebody else or you know whatever and um it just when you were talking about that there um it's just a kind of total shoot of what we're talking about just now but on on the point of what scares you is completely different to what scares me like recently I was was talking with my dad and he he retold me a, a story about what happened to somebody he went to school with mm-hmm. so this is you know back in the 60s or whatever and mm-hmm. in, in a, a British school for anybody who's watching or listening overseas and things so it's all very you know do something wrong get belted you know all that sort of stuff and um, during the time that my dad was at school in his school there was a shortage of teachers so they brought people back out of retirement so like the last time that they taught was like in the 40s or 50s so it's even more regimented and you know all that kind of thing so anyway this it was during summer and a bee or a wasp flew into class and the the boy that was in the front desk at him started panicking, like over, over, over panicking and flapping and trying to swat this bee and wasp away and even when it was nowhere near him he was still like full, full blast trying to get it away from him. The teacher then is shouting at him to calm down. Uh, the phrase, you're acting like a girl, gets used. He gets taken out eventually. He's, he ends up like trying to cover himself on the desk, mm-hmm. like hands over. Um, and then eventually takes out, belted, like, sent back to his seat, all that sort of stuff. Anyway, the long the shot is that the boy's mum comes up to the school and goes apoplectic at the teacher and with the head Mm -hmm. teacher and things because as it turned out, when he was a really young kid, he kicked a football into a a bee's hive or a hornet's nest and he got swamped Mm -hmm. with them and he ended up in the hospital and nearly died. So that bee coming in you know, back in the days before anybody (laughs) knew or cared about post-traumatic stress disorder, so he went through that that experience and that panic that everybody else was not no, reacting was that, to, him. I? yeah, <laughs> and um, and and that's what he went through. So, of so like something as small and as trivial as a bee or a wasp could be enough to have somebody having palpitations at the other end
0: of the table. Well, I've had people that are scared of spiders. I didn't know this at the time, mm-hmm. um, and we had spider props. Well, is that, aye. Is that for legal reasons or? No, <laughs> well, and I, I, well, this is the guy I sent locusts to his house because I, I was told it'd be dead funny, and I found out it was. Well, I didn't find this out until a long time later, but mm. it's not just spiders he's scared of. He's scared of insects as well, and I sent him a bag of fifty massive locusts. Like I mean, they are speaking about half the size of your finger in terms of length, the smallest. But um, I know, but even the games with with spiders in it, you mm. can see actual discomfort. So I'm kind of like. Well, well, we know these guys, and we know he's okay with it. But mm-hmm. he's freaked out. So I like cool. I never took the spiders out because like I don't care that much. I don't care that much. I still want them to be uncomfortable, but I just took out a lot of the, a lot of the real details and stuff. I would just say it attacks them instead of talks about it. Grappling them with his, uh, with their, um their legs and eating them with his fangs and all that I just took out all that stuff and, that web. and like, I, the thing is it was there was a web mm-hmm. skill in there to restrain people but I mean the way I, I just censored the game in a way that probably people didn't notice because I wasn't yeah. removing the spiders I planned it I'm not changing it but I just took out the details I just yeah. removed the reference to that and I moved to more game jargon which I tend to not do because I think Jargon's just gets pretty boring and mm-hmm. it's not as immersive um, but in that case, it's better to just take away some of that immersion to give people a bit more mm. comfort if it does kind of upset them and things. Now, he's not anywhere near as bad as the person you were talking about, but it's just yeah. an example of, of maybe how I've needed to censor that. He, yeah, but again, that's that's the thing. So, like,
1: for most people turning around in the game and going, and then a giant bee comes in the room.
0: Like, most people are going, out?
1: are going, wait, wait why what, why <laughs> right oh, it's just not sp- when, when does the horror start looking at their watches and things whereas that person at the other end of the table was just fainted <laughs> you know you go well and again for most people it isn't going to be something as small and as it innocuous as that but there's okay physically a bee flew in the window with him but talking about you with your game even the mention of a spider is enough to start having that person on edge, so you go right. Well, that's a very to, to you and I. It's a small thing, but to them, it's huge. So, how do you how do you take the person that's reacting to something small and get them along in the journey while still making the person who needs something big to react to? And how do you get them all feeling scared?
0: Yeah, I think uh, this is the same thing though because this is where the, I suppose the X card comes in, mm-hmm. right? Now, the thing with that game was I cleared the content of this game with everyone and they're like, yeah, no problem. Mm-hmm. I said it's going to be a creature feature type thing. You know, mm-hmm. I suggested spiders but I didn't spoil it so I said, think of your eight-legged freak type things. Now, that obviously is a huge spoiler the spiders but they weren't expect. Mm-hmm. I knew that that would be something that made them think insects and stuff and they're like, that's ah, cool, I don't care. Um... But for the most part, like, I mean, even in a different scale, like, I talked about cult having a lot of certain stories, having a lot of abuse in it, a cult divinity lost. And so that sort of stuff is, I, people have had trauma in life, it, anything close to that, those sort of playing games that even suggest it, makes that completely unplayable. You know, but that's where the X card doesn't solve that issue, you know, that's something that should be resolved even before considering an X card, you know, because that's like, if I'm going to play a game that might have, I've not really played one game of Ran that had kind of graphic kind of stuff of a kind of more sexual nature, just more like police cases and stuff and things. But it's still enough for me to go, cool, that's something that people might find really uh, really hard as a topic, even if you've not had any issues around or trauma around that. It's just, it's not a very pleasant thing, like murder cases, you know, and all that, and anything that's kind of somewhat uh, Hellraiser-esque in terms of, like, I don't want to get it. But basically, a lot of stuff, really, I think, you should be able if there's anything you're not sure about, I mean, number one, you shouldn't probably run really potentially dubious or um, offensive games with strangers, for example. I just don't think you should do it. Now, it's different. You might be doing a, a organised play event, or you might be at a conference, um, convention, or you might be playing at a local comic shop. But the other thing to think about is, if there is going to be strangers there, you still need to clear what you're playing by them. Yeah, yeah. When I mean, there was people at the comic shop I used to go to, that they would do pretty graphic sex scenes and things in the shop, and I'm going, why? Why? What's the need for that? Not that I was like, oh, that's disturbing content, but I'm just going, but what's the purpose of that other than to get something out of it? It just Mm -hmm. seems a bit weird. But the other part of it as well is, we're doing this in public. Do you know what I mean? It's like, Mm -hmm. guys, come on. Um, So in terms of like how you, uh, you bring people along for the ride, well... Well, if you, if you pull it out or you find Bad it... Bad choice of words there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if you figure out the issue before the game starts, you can you can make reasonable modifications yes. to have it work. I could have taken spiders out of that game mm-hmm. and made it insects or practically anything else and it would have still been the rats. same game. It could have been rats. I could have just made it that they had sludge from the sewers or something. Anything mm-hmm. to... I could have still done the restraining effects and things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could have been pulled out before the game... Now, and I suppose not everyone will agree with me about the X card kind of thing. I just, I just don't see the need for it because I've never, in the hundreds of games I've probably run and potentially close to thousands of, or at least a thousand hours of games that I've, I've played or ran, I've never had anything like that need to come up. You know, and it's probably because I clear anything with people before I do it in the first instance, and then I don't go into detail anyway for things that are mm-hmm. like really could be uncomfortable. Um, but anyway. So that's what yeah. I think. Um, cool. I think then what I'm interested to know. So you've sp- spoken about the Franklin expedition. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you've got any games horror themed that you you have an experience of that you'd like to maybe share for Halloween? Yeah. Well, a kind of more Halloweeny. If okay. That's a
1: if that's a real term. Um, game was a game that we played. Even further back than the Franklin expedition, so this would be
0: maybe what would that be? About four years ago now, maybe. I guess that was probably about four years ago. I think another I game you're going to talk about, and I have like zero recollection of this game. <laughs> yeah, and that's how far back it was. You know? Yeah,
1: yeah. So in in this game, it was a one shot that we done, and we were using. D&D as the system 5E and it was a completely kind of from scratch uh, one shot that the author had came up with Mm -hmm. so we were part of a kind of like a cavalry type unit that was sent out to this kind of frontier town because there was fighting and skirmishing going on so we were there to basically Uh, kind of ring fence this little town keep it secure give it some security go out do patrols Mm -hmm. and kind of you know maintain the the frontier essentially is what we were doing so kind of maybe some kind of Western themes in that sense and maybe some kinda mm-hmm. First World War kinda vibes from it. But two sides kind of fighting over territory and not really gaining a lot and not really losing a lot. Mm-hmm. So kind of wee bits of that. Um mm-hmm. but it was also kinda again going going back to the Arctic out in the kind of tundra, that kinda that kind of feel. Um so we first turn up and then you're, you're doing the usual, you're kind of trying to figure out, you know, what's been happening, is there other troops here that we can use for, you know, helping us maintaining security and, you know, so you're doing all the usual stuff and you're in a tavern of all places in d d who would have guessed? Oh. So we're in and we're, we're talking to different people and just trying to get the lay of the land and then from outside a scream what could that be so we all go out investigate and then there's somebody that's been brutally attacked and it looks like it's been from a wild animal so oh oh dear right well this kind of rings a bell (laughs) this bit the bit
0: bit you were telling me earlier it was like barely there was maybe a a misty thing there but this whole thing about an animal seems to yeah
1: so that was the first thing and you know obviously you're there and you're playing the game and things so rather than my goodness this woman was attacked by a bear and you know that being that a terrible accident you're all sitting going right okay what's actually going on here and again kind of touching on jordan the conspiracy theories starting mm-hmm. you know rattling about so we start trying to puzzle out what's going on and um So we start going down that line and, right, okay, did anybody see it? Ah, well, that person there was in the street and when we came out, they disappeared. So we're going and we're trying to find them and things. And then shock horror when we eventually catch up with that person. A similar thing has happened to them. And, right, okay, something's different going on here, blah, 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 blah. Eventually, through a series of puzzling and you know detective work, we then go, I know what's going on here. Is where now I can't remember who comes to that conclusion first uh, probably the chameleon I think
0: probably not me because I don't even know if I was present for this game yeah. uh, just a mannequin uh, with this, a, this rings a bell I get you see when you talked about the whole guy following him this... no, we played it here <laughs> you were definitely here I, I, we didn't it, turn up uninvited you were definitely here I know <laughs> I wake up in the middle of the night going who's in my living room you guys are playing D&D don't worry about it uh, <laughs> <laughs> go back to sleep Um <laughs> the real horror game. Yeah, yes. Um
1: <laughs> So anyway, so Fuzzle Outers, Werewolves, oh dear, how terrible, so we think we're dealing with one, I think a little bit of combat happened, right. and then, hey, we've dealt with it, and then in the distance you hear a hill, and then oh no, there's more, and, and on and on that goes to the point that we end up kind of in different positions about the town, and we kind of try and Pile things up and kind of fortify it as best as we can. But what's happening is in the woods, kind of just outside the town, the werewolves are all gathered in there, and there's loads of them. There's absolute. It's, I, I can't even remember how many it was. And then, like every so often, you'd get a glimpse of the eyes, like and the light when they're moving about, and you know different things to set up the tension of this impending attack and then when it happened and when it started it was kind of wave after wave after wave after wave and then again eventually I can't 100% remember how it resolved but you know managed to make it to kind of daybreak because mm-hmm. that's what you were fighting towards because you're going as soon as it's daytime they'll lose their powers, hold on to hope and um, and that's what we managed to do and again because it was the one shot I think that's where it left rather than there was a kind of overall outstanding victory for us and that you know every werewolf was gone and things like that Um, we also had a limited supply of like silver bullets and things that we conveniently managed to find Mm -hmm. um, which was the other thing that you were factoring in you were going right okay use the silver bullet and you'll do a decent amount of damage but use the regular ammunition which we've got more of when they're further away so you can puzzle out tactically what the best thing to do was whilst getting hit by wave after wave and you know so you're you're getting put under a bit of stress and a bit of pressure to try and figure out what the best thing to do was um, and again managed to make it to morning and survive and that was the, that was the game so um You don't remember (laughs) anything from it, so it's um, pointless asking you what you found. Well, what
0: I think I found and maybe the scariest thing about this game is I'm pretty sure we're both immune to damage unless it's silver or magical damage. So we're probably doing bugger all with those weapons until we use silver bullets. But that's assuming that yeah, the the DM actually used those drills. Um, but I I mean it sounds like for me what would have probably worked for it was the build up from Maybe a bit of, inde- I mean, I find investigation and I'll come on to. I'll, I was going to talk about something different, but I'll actually mm. use this one instead. But I actually sometimes find the actual story and the build up is what gives all the payoff, it, yeah. it, it's, what, it, it's what makes the fight worth it. And I don't know if that's maybe what happened but mm-hmm. I can't remember yeah, yeah. if it was maybe there was a, sufficient enough for all the extra stuff that when the fight happened, it felt like an unstoppable wave it probably just felt like oh god here's another seven of them you know Mm. Um, because I find D&D combat quite often feels like that full stop Um, but um, I can't remember I
1: I mean the thing with it was what was good was that when the kind of initial sort of like the sell for the game was it's going to be a one shot let's just do at that time that was I think the kind of highest level characters we'd played at that point so oh yeah yeah so we'd kind of got a sort of bump up in terms of the, the levels because before we were doing relatively low level characters and we were kind of changing settings and kind of shorter campaigns nothing too long and as well nothing you know that we weren't getting a lot of stuff to, to juggle and try to remember Um, so we were playing in fact, it was what level seven, I think, in, in our long term campaign. Now we've only relatively
0: recently hit that sort of mark and beyond. I think it took several months to get from either six to seven or seven to eight. Yeah, and I mean, months. Yeah. I was kind of like, my god, when are we going to level up, man? Now that was scary because I'm sitting going, if I'm not level flaming 10 before I die, I'm going to be pretty mad. So, but we'll probably still get another two <laughs> years before we get there
1: possibly so <laughs> it, you know at that time it was, it was well in advance of what we what we'd done before as well so the kind of the sale was you turn up it will be a one shot playing higher level characters just a bit of fun filling in time because I've not got anything sort of bigger and longer to phrasing uh, yeah exactly is
0: this you told me off yeah. earlier for talking about pulling out
1: yeah well you know we all make mistakes <laughs> <laughs> so it uh, that was that was kind of how it was sold to us. So we're thinking like, about, okay, a cavalry unit, turning up to a frontier town to kind of help Fortify and Secure. So my sort of thought process was turn up, do a bit of speaking, talking, and then the town's going to get raided and then we're going to have to defend up, which is kind of what happened, but in a, a different way. So I'm thinking kind of standard combat between two opposing groups and... There you go. But then with the the first attack with the woman, initially you're thinking, right, is it an accident? Is it not an accident? Is it an animal? Is it not an animal? Is this a distraction for what's actually going to happen later on? Then you find the second one, you go, right, okay, although you need to deal with the security of the place and any potential attacks and things this is now becoming more of an issue and then eventually discovering it's a werewolf and then thinking that you've dealt with it and then getting the next level of dealing with it everything did have a nice pace and it did build and just as you were puzzling something out you get thrown a little curveball and then just as you were puzzling that out you get thrown another curveball so everything was nice from that point of view and then again unfortunately like you're saying when it comes to combat in and d things tend to take a while so that pace which was nice up to that point the puzzling out aspect of it the detective work when you hit that bigger combat then it it slowed and then eventually sort of stopped and fizzled and it kinda it killed a bit um which was unfortunate because everything up to that point was good. Um and again like because the town was essentially surrounded you could have been getting attacked from all different angles, but again the memory of it and it's a bit dusty going so far back was that you were occasionally getting a sort of pot shot fired at you because in this setting werewolves can use guns. Um so you were getting occasional pot shot at you that was coming in a random direction, but any time that they were kinda rushing to charge to attack it was always in the same direction rather than the way it was kind of described and set up was it was almost kind of panoramic. Mm -hmm. So rather than like three of them charging at the one time from a kind of left, middle and right and then you're going right okay and you deal with three different angles and you're under pressure from that but you're also going right if I move position so that tactically I'm in the best place with dealing from an attack from the middle, I'm vulnerable from the left or the right or whatever, so that didn't really happen because they all came from the same direction. So it was a case of, right, well, let's hope that the kind of pot shot doesn't hit me Mm -hmm. and if I can survive the pot shot before the rush attack, then, you know, I'm, I'm sorted, I'm fine. Um, the easiest way to do that is I found was to go up on top of a roof and lie down, wait until you hear the shot, and then stand back up and then see what was going on. That's that was my tactic. That's how I survived. Um, but again, it, unfortunately, the combat because you need to go around everybody and and things that just it just put the brakes on a little bit. And again, that little element of the town has essentially been ambushed but then the ambush wasn't as thought out potentially as it could have been because again if you had the different directions of attack then you would then need to grab your stuff and move and reposition and do whatever to deal with it which then would lead you to a problem at another point so it's keeping your brain engaged because if you just stay in the same spot and just kind of plug away at it you're you're not going to make it so you need to kind of be thinking about the combat rather than just flicking through a sheet and going right what's the most powerful thing I can do what is this right spam 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 and hope that you make it through and hope that your dice rolls are better than another person
0: it kind of sounds a bit like maybe you're not into the combat as much like myself Um, Mm -hmm. because the fact is really when you're done in these games there's things that will put the brake on the pace like if if even if it's something as simple as you're like, oh crap, I can't remember the name of that character. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or a player doesn't actually know what they're doing with a character. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I've had that a lot with new players or players that have inherited different characters or new NPCs. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a punishable offence by any means if you're, wherever you're listening or watching. Um, but certainly I find combat can be the one thing that does slow things down a bit and that's where the, the build, as long as the build up is really good, the, the payoff, almost, uh, that kind of release of that is, is, like, that can happen during that combat, and it kind of makes up, the rest of it makes up for the worst combat. I don't remember this one, but if it was basically a wave survival, which I just don't like, uh, and that's just me, I just don't like them, um, it just, it's just one of these things, I can like, when you're getting it done, this is why I prefer mm. games like Call of Cthulhu and stuff where like combat's much faster, much more brutal, there's more actions in combat mm-hmm. in Cthulhu, because you're really effectively getting two turns every single round. Um, with dodge Dodger fight back, if anyone uh, mm-hmm. has played it that's listening. Um, you'll probably find we one of the games that you'll be playing soon. It, combat, will get messy, but it'll be probably fairly short before people start dying. But the other game, mm-hmm. um, which was the one you mentioned about the, the whole you know, army type thing, uh, that's going to be the opposite. So be prepared, because you probably won't enjoy the combat. Mm-hmm. It's fun combat. It's over the top. But if you're not into the subject matter, I won't go into what mm. it is of now, but if you're not into the subject matter, it'll probably feel a slog. It's also very flaming complicated. I've ran it maybe six or seven times, and I'm still like, oh, God, which is why I'm keen to do that one last, so I can get yeah, a yeah. prep for it. But, um, yeah, cool. All right, then, I think I'll, I'll maybe talk about one of mine. I think maybe I've got one more. Um but I'm going to stick with the d d theme. I was going to do a different one and I've spoke about this one in particular in um, uh, one of the more recent episodes or maybe one... Well, we spoke about it recently to each other if yeah. not in an episode. Um, and it was a Curse of Strand game that i done with the Babble Lazaga for those who have played it. Um, what was so good... This was like... that. I was desperate to play a horror game for a long time at that point so I was doing so much d and I was so sick of it but really this example more kind of iterates what we've spoke about where, you know, we had an amazing fight sequence for her and it was brutal. I mean, it was she was kicking the total crap out of my players. Our house thing got up and started chucking rocks at them. Like, it was it was crazy. Um, it was nothing like the fight we just spoke about. And actually, as much as I don't like big epic fight sequences, as much, probably because I'm not as good at running them, probably, um, I guess, but with this one, I was really quite happy with it, and it was brutal. It was down to the bone with the players versus my character, and I got away. They're going to be so mad when she comes back later on. Um, so, but with the case of the actual build-up, where what tickled the kind of horror bone for me was actually as soon as they got to the ruins of Berez, which is where in um, Babylzagga uh, resides in the Curse of Strad, Um it's all about this battle-worn area, if I remember right, it might be getting mixed up with locations, but um, it was a battle-worn area, there were scarecrows everywhere, there was like rotten houses, old peasant houses or farmhouses, yep. <clears throat> maybe not peasant houses, Um eventually they went over to these weird ruins, or sorry, no ruins, they went over to these weird standing stones, was this woman there? This weird woman that was there and saying, oh, there's something evil here and all that, and they're going, what is going on? And what I found really helped for the players was I was basically not telling them, bugger all for that. I was going, I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, I'm doing, making them do perception checks and they hear movement and they look round. Uh, what was happening was the, sca- the animated scarecrows that kind of roam in that area yeah. were stoking about and things. So they were hearing all of this. They were thinking this woman was evil. They thought this was the witch that they were warned about and she was something to do with some other group. It was spying on the witch, I think. And... Um, so, anyway, I had the players guessing, because like, they basically came to this place on a, a win, on a clue, and I thought they'd never see this area, and I was gutted, and I thought that was going to happen, and then they ended up going, and it became a place where they heard so much about it, there was so much build-up, and they got there, and it was like, there's nothing here, and it totally just pulled the rug from under them, Yeah. but um, what ended up happening was, up well, there, there was something there, and they'd seen this women in the middle of the forest, in the forest, sorry, the farm taking a goat into her hut and things like that, and they're going, wait, I thought this was the witch that they're speaking to, and the woman's like, I'm not a witch, I've told you. By the way, they're just having a laugh with the NPC, but that's where it was like, they were already so lost with what's going on that they were high tense and they were dropped down, and they're like, oh, we can breathe, and they see this woman taking a goat, and eventually they end up spying on her, and that was, ended up being, um, uh, Baba Lazaga, um and they started they spied on her through the window. She had crows in hut in cages in front of her house and a big floating troll skull or giant skull. It doesn't really matter for the story, but there was that there so it was weird and they're going, What the hell is this place? But in particular the crows were something that they're just like, what is going on? Cause crows in this game up until that point, my players I'd intentionally got them associating that with Strad who would constantly polymorph into into crows you had to spy on them and stuff because I wanted them to do that and the players were so paranoid at this point they were all shooting crows and stuff meanwhile they see all these crows locked up and they're going this person must hate Strad <laughs> they were wrong <laughs> anyway they spy through on this old woman and she's like in the bath and they can't see what's going on but everything was so weird and it wasn't until right at the kind of big moments would they actually start telling them what, what they're properly seeing they would see her bathing behind this kind of semi-translucent kind of curtain and things like that Mm. Um, so I think what really worked for that the players were like what the hell is going on and I don't mean in a frustrated sense of I don't get this but they were sitting going do we engage with this this is too Mm -hmm. weird we might this could be the big evil witch who could kill us Um, and it was awesome um, but the bit that really got them was when she started speaking to this little doll that was in the... No, it was a wee boy from what they... They thought it was a doll and she came out of the bath and she was nice looking and attractive and she got herself dressed and started speaking to this doll and all that. Um, eventually, they get the confidence to go in and they're like, What the hell is going on, missus? This is weird, man. And she's like, Oh, hello, strangers, whatever it is. Uh, you know, what is it you want? You know, blah, blah, and did that conversation. But when they went to look at the doll, it was a wee boy and they're going... What is going on? What like, I kept twisting, what was going mm-hmm. on in that game. Um, I won't. I don't need to go much further. Basically, end up a, a lot of that was happening. She would engage mm-hmm. with them. They had a good conversation with her, and it wasn't actually going to go hostile. But, aye, um, it was good because they were. I totally had them guessing the whole time, and yeah. it. W- it wasn't like I was like to- trying to subvert their expectations all the time or anything. Mm-hmm. I was just not giving them all the info which I think is actually a pretty good tool when you're doing horror. In particular, mm-hmm. Call of of Cthulhu games, Lovecraft uh, stories. They, they all use that unknown element. Yeah. The King in Yellow has a cosmic part of it, but part of that cosmic element, or the big cosmic element of it, is the vagueness of it that, mm-hmm. that helps kind of encourage all that kind of what is going on here. And I found that, personally, running it, I was loving their faces during the game. But I know from a player's perspective, when that's happened to me, um, there's a Delta Green game I watched online right now called Impossible Landscapes. I've seen about sixteen episodes or something. Let's say it's about thirty-two hours worth of content. Mm. I still don't have a goddamn clue what is going on in that game, and I love it because it's—I just know the dangers everywhere. Yeah. Um, so vagueness is a tool, basically. I think that's actually super cool. Um, yeah, yeah, and
1: again, depending on when this is released and what episodes you've listened to, again, one of our episodes we talk about using vagueness in your game, yeah. and uh, again, the danger is that it becomes too vague, and well, the you, danger yeah, is that when you've got blind. a player that's questioning what's going on, like Jordan was saying, that it becomes a case of... <laughs> they've, they've not got an idea, and that the questions are, like you're saying, coming out of frustration, rather than... Yeah. The questions are coming out of the fact that they're they're thinking about everything that's happening and it's keeping them engaged. So I think it's really, really easy to fall to the wrong side of the line and it's very, yeah. very hard to
0: walk across that tightrope. Certainly cosmic horror games. I've seen a lot and played a lot of them and a lot of the time I'm just going, God, it's actually bored on unpretentious. Um, I mean things like the vagueness and things actually it's a good point because that was something I was very worried about during the game but what I would do was I'd drop some of the vagueness and if players wanted more info they could ask for it I'd make, maybe make them do a check but I wouldn't give them everything I just gave them more of what they were after until they were satisfied with it like with the bath, um, the, the witch bathing her Baba Lozaga bathing I said she had like red bath soap and all that You could see that she was like bubbling up this kind of it looked like red bubble bath that you can get you know, actually what it was was the blood of the goat that she cut its throat into the big eh, basin because that was her offering to the mother and the night mother or whatever the, the lore is for it again in Strad. Mm. but I had all that going so eventually when, when they got in one of them when they were talking with her one of them snuck around to see what was going on and they seen a dead goat behind the bath in blood and they were just like what the hell and then there was a whole sequence of them trying to tell each other that this is dangerous and all that <laughs> without alerting her. Um, It just added all these elements, but I let them discover the punchlines. I didn't give them them. But there was cases where they'd say, I don't know what's going on, and they asked for checks and stuff. So if you want to do vague, I I totally recommend it for horror, but don't completely restrict what info people can get. Just think about how you can give it in stages um, and have narrative reasons in there. I speak about doing narrative things all the time. Mm -hmm. Have narrative reasons in there that means people can't get all the info. Like I said, it's covered by a curtain. You can't see mm-hmm. it in it because it's it's below your eye line, yeah. and it's in that. Ba- sorry, it's in a bath out of your eye line, and it's covered by a curtain. Mm-hmm. So you're only seeing this woman bathe, which is weird in itself. Um, and anyway, it end up being a great game. So mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> really enjoyed it. Yeah, um,
1: and again, like just kind of going back to Jordan talking about. Vague and being vague in games, I think it's important to point out there's a difference between being vague and something being ambiguous. Mm -hmm. You know, at least when it's ambiguous, there's one or two outcomes or however many outcomes, whereas vague normally means that, you know, there's, there's so little detail that there isn't any direction that the player feels that they can go in. So just... Watch for when ambiguous turns into vagueness.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, if you get it wrong, then just tell your players it's their fault. That's what I've seen a lot of GMs do. Um, I don't do that because I normally they end up fighting me anyway, so they end up finding out all the answers. But um, anyway, um, I think then what we'll do then is do you want to tie off with any last examples? Um, I'll probably not just for time's sake, but if you have an example yeah, you'd like th- to cover,
1: I think, I think probably
0: kept these poor people long enough when they wanted to go out and score some chocolate, so... Yeah, fair enough. I mean, we've got plenty of story. Well, I've certainly got plenty... I do a lot of horror games, so I've got loads of this stuff I can talk about, so, I mean, I could talk all night, so... um, But I basically... You know, some of the stuff... At least that's our um, favourite kind of things, or at least uh, the most memorable uh, things that have happened in a horror-themed game, or maybe a horror thing that's happened in a non-horror themed game Um, like certainly even talking about I forgot all about that thing about the flapping jacket vampire monster that turned out just a bit It didn't exist yeah um, you know I still remember that several years (laughs) later Um, but that's some of our examples and what I would like to throw over to yourself whoever's watching or listening Um, you know let us know your side of it have you got any cool examples to talk about or as a GM have you constructed the best horror scenarios you've ever seen in your life let us know in the comments Um, take us to the socials I guess yep so there's
1: Facebook that you can get us on there is Twitter that's there we have a Discord server as well Mm -hmm. and there's also Instagram so tag us in some of your Halloween pictures over on Instagram and then we can check them out as well yeah
0: so great I think just the last thing to say to you always thanks again for watching or listening wherever you are Um, have a happy Halloween and it's goodbye from me and goodbye from me